the universe began, light has remained unchanged. Now man has created a new kind of light with powers and properties unlike anything that existed before. Laser light. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves again because last time we didn't record. I, I didn't click the, <laughs> the VOD recording, so that was my bad. But um, So if you were there, you... you uh, you knew what you knew what went down, but uh, I guess I could do my introduction. So my name is Ryan. Uh, right now I'm a, I'm a college student, third year, and I'm studying computer engineering. Uh, and I do I guess on my hobbies, my spare time, I, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I uh, <laughs> that's mostly what I do for act active stuff. Uh, but yeah, John, go ahead, take it away. Uh, all right, uh, my name is John. Uh, I'm also the same year as Ryan. Uh, uh, Ryan has a, a much better habit. You know, he's a much more physically active person. He's got a good balance between sort of the mind and the body. And I'm sort of like all all brains. So I, I mean, if you look at our um, <laughs> the thing on our uh, about our page, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I work a lot with the sort of quantum computing and sort of blockchain related stuff. Um, so that's sort of my area of expertise. And unfortunately, unlike uh, my good colleague Ryan, I do not <laughs> get out as much as I should. So. It's been hard though with COVID. I, I've I've been having to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu with my roommate, and it'd be yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not easy. Uh, yeah, someone uh, vacuum Yumu. <laughs> I probably butchered that. Is is your biggest fan, John? We got wow, we got well, the real uh, supporter. Oh, uh, we got a oh, right. Um, I'm 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 very heartened to hear that. Thank you so much for the uh, kind remark. <laughs> Um, yeah. So okay. So basically, this podcast. Okay, you guys probably like why? Why is your name zero times two C or is it zero X two C? And we yeah, it's zero X two C. And um, we basically came up with it from uh, uh, pretty much we were talking. What were we talking about again, John? We were. <laughs> well, we both uh, we both work a lot with computers, and mm -hmm. um, you know, a hexadecimal is kind of like the universal way you represent data. Um, in computers, so we're like, oh, you know, uh, uh, something, and then I can't, there's like a phrase like, well, here's my two cents, mm -hmm. so we're like, oh, our two cents, so zero X two C, or something like O two C, that's yeah. how we sort of came up with it, and so, uh, Ryan, I think you pointed out, like, um, it, uh, the resemblance to X Q C, yeah, 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 <laughs> what, no relation, <laughs> no relation at all, but we just, we just know the infamous, famous guy, zero, uh, XQC, if you guys know him, <laughs> he's really popular to a Twitch streamer. Um, but basically, in this podcast, what we do is I come to John with two or maybe one article, one juicy article that, uh, uh, and it's completely, John doesn't know what I'm bringing to the table. And um, likewise, on John's side, he's bringing me two or one article that he, uh, that I had no idea about. And we're basically just going to be talking about um, sort of what's, what's in those articles. And they're going to be mostly science-related technology, uh, the cutting edge in, in, I guess, in our world right now with, you know, quantum computing to cybersecurity to uh, computers to, pro I don't know, to, to anything that's technology-focused. Physics, astronomy, biology, yeah. um, what have it. You know, we're open to all sorts of uh, articles and advancements. <laughs> yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, so, and how we decide who goes first, John, this time, do you want to flip a coin again? <laughs> Are you starting? Well, sure. I have, I have like a, a die here. I can go ahead and, and if it's like an even number, it'll be you. And if it's an odd number, it'll be me. How about mm -hmm. that? I'm go gonna, for it. I'm go for it. This die right now. I'm shaking it off camera right now, and I'm gonna go ahead and. Okay, okay it's odd. odd. Okay. Yeah. Is, 
Is that you? <laughs> Did we call it? Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you went first last time. I'll just go first this time. Then. Okay, go for it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so uh, traditionally, Ryan's always done like a, a phenomenal job of choosing uh, news articles that are like, I think, immediately relevant. This may take a little bit of explaining, but uh, Ryan, I think you'll find this particularly interesting. So um, this comes from Quanta Magazine. Um, it was written by uh, Natalie Wolkover. She's like a senior editor there. And the title is like, okay, physicists nailed down the magic number that shapes the universe. So um, this is already a sort of a bit of a physics-related article. Uh, but the idea goes that there's something called the sort of fine structure constant. Uh, it's denoted by the Greek letter alpha. And it's a very, very um, pervasive and sort of unique uh, value because it specifies how strongly electromagnetic waves affect charged particles. And it's unitless, um, so unlike the speed of light, which is sort of like meters per um, second, or, or uh, um, I don't know if you, you, you I, sometimes you go like miles per hour if you wanted to, uh, this has like no units whatsoever. And it has a ratio that is very close to one over 137. Uh, so this article was, uh, they interviewed uh, one of the physicists, uh, Eric Cornell, who's a Nobel Prize winning physicist. Um, he works at the University of Colorado Boulder, um, as well as the National Institute for Standards Technology. Uh, and he, he notes that many ratios in um, physics for low energy matter, uh, such as uh, atoms and molecules, uh, tend to have powers of this ratio. So if you think like one over one over 37 squared to the third, um, you'd see something like that. And basically the news goes that, uh, it, it, I think it was just, it got published just this month or maybe in a, a last month, that um, four physicists, um, at, in a laboratory in Paris have reported the most accurate measurement of that constant or the um, fine structure constant. Oh, what's really interesting about this constant is if, if the constant was any smaller than it is by a hair, life as we know it could not exist. Like, because it, it also tells you like the strength of EM uh, electromagnetic interactions. So, Wait, like so how, why? It's yeah, John. So this, this, this number, what is it? It defines... It's the strength of uh, the electromagnetic interaction, or it's like how oh. strongly, uh, uh, here, let's see if I, if I, yeah, so how strongly electromagnetic magnetic waves affect charged particles. So essentially this affects sort of all the matter um, around us. And it, it sort of explains why, like when you learn about the atom, the nucleus is like super dense, but the electrons are like, you know, if we blew up the scale mm. of an atom, like, you know, human size, there's always the saying, like, the electrons would be, like, football fields away from the nucleus. It's because of how small that constant is. It defines um, a lot of how the matter around us interacts. And if that constant was not 1 over 137, if that constant was 1 over 138, life would not exist. Stars could not produce carbon. Oh, wow. um, you know, we, we would not be here sort of making this podcast and, and dropping some, some sort of mad science facts. So, so would that constant pretty much go with those constants of like pi uh, and like those special numbers that we know of in physics yeah, and math? You can, you can think of it that way. But uh, before I, once I sort of finish explaining the recent development with this constant, you'll see why it's such a controversial number. Like the, the uh -huh. very fact that I'm calling it a constant is kind of controversial. And, I, and I'll, um, I know I'm, I'm taking up a lot of time here just like talking about the, but it's, it's, no, it's integral on. to understanding um, why this piece of news is so important. So uh, if we go ahead here, 
Uh, so what happens is the, the way they measure this constant um, is uh, you take rubidium atoms, uh, and what you do with those atoms is you supercool them. So you bring them to zero Kelvin. And once they're brought to zero Kelvin, um, you, you have this laser, it's a specially tuned laser, and you essentially kind of kick the atom. You kick the rubidium atoms like while they're in this zero Kelvin state. And as a result, there's, they enter this sort of quantum superposition. Okay, so wait, rubidium I, atom, what is that? Because I did not take chemistry. Uh, rubidium is just another um, sort of uh, element on the periodic table. Uh, it, it has nothing too special with it. Uh, the reason why so rubidium sometimes gets brought up a lot in, in the sciences is, uh, I, I think, and I, I can't guarantee, I don't know this off the top of my head, is whenever we need, um, uh, I, I guess, atoms to play with, rubidium can be vaporized pretty easily. So mm -hmm. once it's in this gaseous form, it's a lot easier to kind of uh, interact or play around with for scientists. Um, okay. Rubidium was, was used for this experiment, but in 2018, um, another group in Berkeley, um, here in California, um, they used cesium atoms. Um, so different atom, but you can still measure what alpha is. And the idea is they, uh, by figuring out how the rubidium atom kind of, how much it kicks back, like when I shoot it with the photon, how much the atom kicks back, we can calculate um, alpha using that hmm. value. And, and once again, alpha is equivalent to the um, fine structure constant. So this is the most accurately we have measured it. And the actual number, for those that are interested, is <laughs> 1 over 137.035999206. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah, that is that's um, a... the most accurately in, um, in physics history. Now, here's the kind of interesting thing. The 2018 measurement has a, there's like a difference between the 2018 to now. And, and it makes sense because this is more accurate. But the difference is larger than the margin of error, which means that one of them is oh. wrong. One of them is oh. wrong. So there's a oh, bit of, no. so, <laughs> so one of these, one of these labs <laughs> has some kind of error. <laughs> oh, okay. Juicy Steak uh, 117 has got it. It is called um, Summerfield's Constant Let's go. Uh, as well. That is, uh, that is an excellent... Uh, I chose the name sort of fine structure just because I, I think that's the name that gets used a lot more often. But um, yes, you are correct. It is Sommerfeld constant. Um, and I, I sort of mentioned uh, this electromagnetic constant. Uh, and, and it's a unitless value, but it comes up a lot in other places in physics. But the other thing that I... The last point I want to mention before I, I get your opinion on it, Ryan, is that uh, with certain discrepancies of this constant there have been a sort of beliefs, like there's this thing called the standard model. And you know how there's a periodic table for atoms, right? Mm -hmm. The standard model is for fundamental particles. So you know how an atom has like an electron, a proton, and a neutron. Mm -hmm. And if we go even further, you know, neutrons are made oh, out of quarks. So up Okay, and down. okay, this, taking this, it low. <laughs> yeah, this, this fundamental, uh, this sort of fundamental model, um, excuse me, is, is the, uh, it's sort of like the periodic table for um, those tinier particles. So Although, below the, the build, like what we're taught in school, like the building blocks of matter, yeah, lies yeah, the quarks. Way below, way below. We go, I mean, the electron is in there, but it's, mm -hmm. it's like the electron's a fundamental particle. And what do I mean by fundamental? Is if I took an electron and I try to like smash it and I can't, I can't break it down any further. It's, one whole particle. There's no way I could, you know, split it into its other things. So originally, um, if alpha didn't 
or this constant wasn't like where uh, physicists thought it would be, mm -hmm. like there's a discrepancy, people theorize there are other particles or other forces that we haven't accounted for. But with this accurate measurement, that kind of throws it out the window. Like we're, we're really certain that the standard model, not the fundamental model, the standard model um, is correct to like, like it, it holds up. Um, the theory and the experiment kind of match, which is like a really huge um, pat on the back to the sort of standard model. Wow. So uh, did you like, excuse me, look into like the background, like is, is Summerfields one of the physicists who like was the first one to discover this constant? Is yeah, that... that's why his um, that's why his name is associated. Okay. I think Sommerfeld nice. was working with sort of Niels Bohr and a couple of other um, prominent particle physicists at the time, uh, and and he sort of came up with a derivation um, for the constant. Uh, okay. Okay. But... So, but how are they gonna decide which one's right now? Since you said that there's one in 2018 that has, you know, different value oh. than the one in 2020. So they're they're going to try and repeat. They're going to do a repeat, mm. essentially. So they, they, they sort of, uh, this sort of group in Paris hit up the other group, and they're like, hey, you know, we need to, um, uh, we should probably sort of rerun this, because the <laughs> yeah. trait of, like, any good experiment is you can repeat it and get mm. the same value again. So, okay. And what was but, this, when, was, when did they, in 20, what, what month was it? Uh, you mean what month, like, this experiment took yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, like, well, okay, they started work in February, and they've been repeatedly conducting this experiment to try and, like, reduce the error as much as possible. Because when you're measuring something this precisely, the smallest possible deviation can, can throw you off. So they have to, like, um, do a bunch of uh, uh, work here. But it started in February, and I think they published last month. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe around November. I, I think around November. It's in Nature. Um, for those of you that are... Yeah. Uh, like sort of huge, like, you know, who know a lot more than this. Uh, if you can read that research paper, uh, mad respect to you. <laughs> so, okay, so you can find this in nature. So where else can you find this in? Not just like from experiments, but where else in nature can you find this constant? Oh, I mean, I mean like nature as in the name of the scientific journal. Oh, okay, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, Ooh. No, but like... it is, uh, it is found in nature. Uh, I didn't look too much into like other ways it, it can be found. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think another example that I can give is uh, nuclear fission. So nuclear oh, fission okay. is like a, a nucleus gets super big and then it wants to split up. That's and, right. And release energy. Um, so one of the ways this can get started is uh, there uh, in, in nature, we've seen this before, there's something called a natural nuclear fission reactor. And it's where these uranium deposits in the earth can naturally like they spontaneously uh, have a self-sustaining chain reaction, like the nuclear reactors um, that we build artificially. Um, wow. And the idea is for that kind of reaction to happen, uh, a neutron, which is you know bigger than a proton, it has to like absorb an electron. Or no, maybe it's the other, it's the other way around. Maybe it's like, I, okay, don't. 50-50. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed, I can't remember. But, but basically the nucleus absorbs an electron and fusion uh, not fusion, fission. Fission starts to take place. It, the nucleus gets unstable, and it, it starts the chain reaction. But because alpha defines interactions in the electromagnetic field with charged particles, if mm -hmm. alpha had changed, that reaction might have uh, turned out differently. Um, um. So that's, that's why that, that brings me back to what I was telling you earlier with the constant being non-constant. Like, for the that's longest true. time, physicists have fought over how constant 
is alpha. And for the most part, physicists believe that alpha has been constant in the universe's history. But there have been some like satellites that uh, monitor certain star formations, quasars, um, which produce sort of this very strong um, radio wave, um, ra these radio wave pulses. And what they found is in, th there may be a chance that in certain parts of our universe, alpha is different. Now, why is that scary? Why does that matter? Because to generate alpha, alpha is actually a ratio between the charge of an electron, the speed of light, and Planck's constant. Oh, so man. what that means is oh. if alpha oh, no. is <laughs> different, that means one of those is not constant, yeah. which is super cool. Like, it's mind-blowing. That means that like, maybe in a different part of the universe, the laws of physics are not as universal as we say. Right? So you said quasars. Uh, I have heard of pulsars. Are they similar in, in that regard? I think they are. They are similar. Uh, I, I can't. I don't know the distinction off the top of my head, um, unfortunately. Other than I yeah. think like they they have like strong, very strong um, radio wave or right. electromagnetic. Yeah, and pulses. according yeah. yeah, I think I was reading somewhere. Pulsars have uh, like hundred million times the strength of our, of our magnetic field of Earth. It's a hundred million wow. times stronger than than of Earth. Holy smokes! And, okay, I better not. I know, right? <laughs> uh, what should we call it? Um, and speaking about nuclear fission. Uh, as much as I know, once we, if we are able to to achieve that in in like a stable form, would wouldn't that revolutionize batteries, uh, just energy in general? So I I I made a little um, hiccup there when I was talking. I meant fission, nuclear oh, fission. Oh, okay, so fission. fission is like normal sort of radioactive decay. Fusion is like what happens in in stars. And you're right. You if we could achieve if we could achieve fusion, that'd be um, revolutionary. Um, sort of clean energy. You only need hydrogen. Uh, very safe too. But the biggest problem with nuclear fusion is it takes uh, 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 the amount of energy required <laughs> to start fusion yeah. is insane. It's nuts. It's nowhere near what we can sort of pull off. So I everything see. that you hear, like um, like we're building these fusion reactors, they're mm. prototypes. So they're not really self-sustaining. We turn them on for maybe a fraction of a second, and then it, it sort of like it, it dies by itself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Juicy thing. Yeah, I've played Outer Worlds before. I know about that. <laughs> oh, is Outer Worlds like a video game? That it's like yeah, it's, it's a sim uh, simulation game. Uh, I guess it has some. Oh, Wilds. Okay, oh, Outer Wilds. I huh. I don't know that game. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Sorry, either. I thought it, I thought that... it was Worlds. My bad. <laughs> Outer Worlds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now I, you, now outer, got... outer wilds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Now you've got Ryan interested. It's an action yeah, adventure game um, developed by Mobius Digital. Uh, that is uh, interesting. Yeah, that's sort of uh, my like. I, I thought that was super interesting. Like we've we've this this constant has been measured to such a high level of precision, and just how important that constant is, and the fact that there is a chance that this constant is not constant. Like yeah. maybe there's a part of the universe that doesn't obey it. If it's related and, to uh, the, if, and yeah, if it's like you said, it's 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 uh like the the formula you said, the ratio between the other constants. Yeah. And if it were to change, then that would, I mean, change the whole entire game. Right. That means one of those constants has to be um, one of the constants in the ratio has to be non-constant, and we don't know what, which one it is, and we're oh. pretty scared. But to give you an idea, though, the difference in that constant is super like we've we've bounded the possible very it's like 0. 
zero 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 three percent, or maybe even maybe even less. I, I kind of skimmed that number from one of the articles I was reading. It might be even smaller than that. But... Wow. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how I mean. physicists do this stuff, man. I would. I, that's why I'm not a physicist. Oh, same, bro. I, 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 I sorely lack the sort of mathematical rigor. I remember in, in one of my physics, um, 9C, wait, was it 9C? I think it was 9C was when we learned about electromagnetic waves and the magnetic field and how they interact, yeah, yeah. All, the, all the charges, how they all react to each other. Um, the, one of the TAs, he was researching and he was doing his PhD in, in uh, black holes. So I was, I was, I, I stayed after his, lab one day i think it was during like the fire or something like we're lab lab wasn't mandatory but i still went because i was a, i'm a freaking nerd so I, I you know i was like i, I gotta get my points bro gotta get, still gotta grind and then uh he was talking about black hole and he was like hey you, you can ask me anything so i asked him like a bunch of these like common black hole uh you know questions and uh i don't remember i don't remember what questions were but it was it was, it was super uh super uh, interesting to hear about like what he studies and like i mean the boy was pulling out like uh gradients on, on the board and he was like, trying to explain to me in math i was like bro i'm <laughs> how am i going to understand this stuff and all physics is you know it's definitely like to those who can understand it and, and who work in it like i i applaud them but uh, yeah no it's it's amazing <laughs> and juicy steak here says this is why i'm just a pure math major since i'm trying to have fun in my life <laughs> man even math though you know that's it oh, that's it's, they it's go tough hardcore, they go hard they go hardcore number yeah. theory and all that Oh yeah. Stats. Would you consider? Yeah, stats is I would say branch off math, right? Absolutely. You just, you just focus I mean, on that. It's it's sort of in the umbrella of mathematics, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I mean, like for literally all the sciences, if you want to figure out if your data is like significant or not, um, <laughs> you you got to use statistics. Like like in any field of science, I would argue, like you need to understand like what a standard deviation is. Yeah. You know how to perform some preliminary statistical analysis, how to find anomalies. You need statistics for any field of science, I would argue. True. It's very true. Uh, Juicy Steak <laughs> says, just count, and it's easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for real. Man, honestly, though, if I were to switch majors, I would totally switch into math, like, for sure. Well, I've if, seen if, you with if, numbers. If I, if I, if I could switch, yeah, I would minor. If I, could, if, I, if I could redo something like last year, I would start minoring in math. Because I feel like math is such a fundamental thing to know or like thing to have like under your belt for my personal opinion because, opinion, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I find it really like, fun too, I guess, sort of biased okay, you, opinion. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a biased that's opinion. Okay. That's all you. But I think math is like, you know, even if you, you know, if we stop talking math. about the difficulty and the applications, just to think of like the history of math, like math doesn't really sort of exist in a it, like, like it's just we have these abstractions we started with like the number one the number two and then a lot of stuff right and then we mm -hmm. had counting and then we had like addition subtraction division and then you had algebra calculus like the number of abstractions and, and useful tools we keep finding for for math is um uh simply uh, it, it's incredibly beautiful and super cool at the same time just like how how much these abstractions can apply to um the physical world yeah. and you know how science and math you know they pretty much go hand in hand i mean you gotta yeah. know you know enough about one to do the other so yeah it's just how you can like describe a you know a field a vector field or an electromagnetic field using math right yeah so yeah it, it's it's 
it's a fundamental concept. That's, uh, but want to go ahead and move on to another article, John? Yeah, um, I mean, I, yeah, let's, let's go to yours. All I right. mean, I, I think I've, I think I've sort of, I've sort of sandblasted all this, <laughs> all this physics stuff. I'm, I'm dying to hear what you got in store. So. All right. That's it. Okay, let's let's go for it. Okay. Um. So basically, mine is probably not about uh physics. Oh, okay, it's astronomy. But let's let's go. So this article, uh, titled "12 Times the Arecibo Telescope Helped Us Figure Out the Universe," and um, so recently, like literally four days ago, on December fourth, twenty twenty, the Arecibo Telescope like demolished itself. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it, it broke. Uh, the uh, one of the the, the telescope, a part of it fell onto itself, and it, and it just broke. It was already having failures like a couple months beforehand. So this is sort of recent news, especially to the history of what the Arecibo has done for us, um, figuring out things in the universe. And so I only picked seven out of the 12 because 12 is quite a lot. And some of them were kind of, uh, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, I, I'm going to pick these seven because they're, they're kind of cool. So I don't, I'm not going to go over the, the entire 12, but I'll go ahead and, oh, John, you should link your, your article if you have any oh, like, citations yes. in, the, in the chat. I'll, go ahead, I'll link yes. mine in a little bit. Um, but let me give you some, I guess, background on the Arecibo Observatory. Uh, do you have you heard of it before, John? This telescope? Um, I have. Uh, I know that I think wasn't Arecibo part of SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence? Yes, like sir. They, yes, sir. Okay, so that, yep. that's that's where I know it from. That's yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so basically, it, it uh, it's found in Arecibo, Puerto Rico, and hence the Arecibo Telescope. And uh, should I say with it like a Hispanic Arecibo, Puerto Rico? <laughs> All right, all I my. mean, you speak, you speak Spanish, right? That's true. Yeah, I do speak Spanish. Um, okay, then I, I say you go with the, the proper pronunciation. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's pretty similar to English, but okay. Owned, so it's, it's owned by the U, uh, USNSF, which is the United States National Found, Science Foundation. And basically, I'll give you some background on, the, on, the, on this telescope. It's 1,000 feet in di diameter. Uh, and it's basically just a dish that was built into a natural sinkhole. And... Uh, it just has a cable, you know, cable mounts, a receiver, tra uh, uh, several radar transmitters for sending signals. But it's just basically, you know, a big dish telescope. I'm not sure if you know if Chat has seen one of those, but um, so it was completed in 1963. So it's about, well, it is 57 years old, and it just it rest in peace. It it it, it uh, got demolished <laughs> a couple like four days ago. <laughs> I saw the video. Like, oh, you a saw cable it. Snapped, yeah. Right? Uh -huh. And the whole thing just like fell in. Yeah. Like, if, if this was the dish, mm -hmm. this is the dish, and then like there's a, a, a the, the actual receiver where the the radio waves get reflected in. That's that right. That thing just sort of fell and it just yanked everything down with. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, before they even can de demolish it, yeah, it was already broken. So, so the first thing was we'll off is that I guess in 1992 this telescope found the first ever extrasolar planets, um, with two planets orbiting a pulsar. Um, and so what is a pulsar for those that are not too familiar with pulsars um i know john brought up uh quasars right yeah from the yeah. previous one um but so a pulsar uh is a highly magnetized rotating compact star that emit beams of electromagnetic radiation um and sort of i guess a, to visualize it it's it's like i don't know it's like a, it's like a like a little ball, a little star, a little planet, and then you have like it spin. It spins super fast. So they have a couple of names for them. Uh, this one in particular was uh, is known as the. Well, I guess they're all known as millisecond pulsars. Not all of them. 
but this one in particular because it spins about 100 times per second. So uh, um, that's pretty fast. Uh, and I guess what makes so uh, what makes these pulsars so special is that uh, they're useful for astronomers in particular observations um, in the binary neutron star system, uh, and they were used to indirectly confirm the existence of gravitational radiation. And um, so, gravitational radiation is is sort of what basically Einstein was talking about with um, warps in space in in, 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 oh, in like space and time. A large enough gravitational body will mm -hmm. kind of warp the sort of fabric of space-time. Right, okay. right, right, exactly. That's a perfect explanation. Yeah, so <laughs> warping. It's basically, I guess, a good analogy is when you have, like, when you have your bed sheet on the bed, I'm pretty sure you guys heard, may have heard this analogy, but you have, you know, your bed sheet, and then you place, like, a, a sphere on it, and it bends it, you know, sort of bends into the bed. And I guess that's, like, sort of the analogy of, like, warping time and space. But, um... So yeah, pulsars are just spherical compact objects and uh, a little fun fact, they're about the size of a large city but contain more mass than the sun. So these are super dense, you know, uh, objects in space. Uh, and, and also another fun fact is that the Jocelyn, uh, Jocelyn Bell, who's a woman, uh, she was a, uh, the first to discover, the first ever pulsar. Wow, so okay. That's not PDRC, like, like we knew about uh, uh, these things before radio satellite, uh, that, radio telescope, right? That's right. So it was with okay. this telescope she discovered the first pulsar. So, wow. so you said, sorry, um, you said that they they used it to confirm the first sort of planets that exist outside our solar system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So how, how like, what were the sort of, do you know, the exact sort of mechanics? I have like a hunch about how they might have done that or the mechanics, but how they um, transmitted those those waves. <laughs> yeah, like not not the way, but like how they use the telescope to figure out like, yo, you know, there are hmm. planets that are not in the solar system. You want to explain that? What, what your hunch is? Because yeah, yeah, I well, didn't I, <laughs> look into that. <laughs> so I think usually with any sort of extrasolar planets, uh, uh, barring this example, uh, like I think the I think it's nicer to work in sort of the optical realm. So if, if I'm looking at a distant star, you know, far far away. And I can't really make out that, you know, really tiny planet. What happens is uh, if a planet is orbiting a star, um, the, the brightness of the star will dim down and then mm. it brightens up again and it dims and it brightens and it dims. And, it, and we, from that sort of behavior, we can kind of infer there's some body that travels in front of the star and Earth. And then we can kind of determine, OK, how big is this? What's the um, how far often it orbits? So I think with that radio telescope, what you're talking about, is the quasar has radiation coming out of it. The but pulsar. When this, the pulsar. <laughs> but when the Mad offended. in front of the pulsar, it kind of blocks off the traditional amount of radiation. So the telescope, our radio telescope, is you know can kind of monitor that behavior, or it kind of figures out, like, yo, this, there's something that is orbiting this, um, this pulsar. I, I think that's probably how they pulled it off. But um, you mentioned it was a binary system, right? So it's... That means it's two things like orbiting each other, um, so that my hunch might not be correct. But that, that's traditionally how people have found extrasolar planets. Okay. Yeah, I would have to uh, look that up <laughs> in, in specific details, but that's more than I would know. Hey, what's up, Matt D? <laughs> um, all right. And so the second thing from this Recibo, what we've 
gained from it was the origins of water, uh, ice on Mercury. So, I mean, uh, we always hear about Mars, right? But Mercury um, has shown some extremely reflective material radiating from the uh, surface, and we we, well, we've interpreted it to be as ice. And this was found in 1991. Uh, but yeah, why are we so fixated on Mars? Is it because we we're uh, closer to Mars, or like it's 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 far away from the sun? What do you well, think? Well, I think I think the, the the whole thing behind Mars, right, is we have this kind of dream that it's kind of this uh, we like if hum, humans can go there and we can establish like a, a base and and it's kind of like the next step in exploration because if you think about it, Venus is pretty much inhospitable. It has like the hottest temperatures. Um, known, like sort of underneath its atmosphere. And Mercury is, uh, that's even closer to the sun. It's also very sort of inhospitable. Oh, that's true. Like on Mars, there's still a chance we can actually walk on the surface of Mars. That's Whereas, true. I, I don't know about Mercury or Mercury Venus, is really close sure. to the sun, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, not to mention that yeah, Venus ain't got nothing on Sacramento. In the <laughs> but, but like Venus rains sulfuric acid. Ooh. Venus rain like so that stuff like you got to build spacesuits and, and and you know it's, protection it's, for that yeah I mean right. it's nuts like I, I don't think that's, that's sustainable at all so Mars is kind of our best um, best bet here and I think another one uh, one last thing and I'll let you keep going uh, I'm sorry I keep, no 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 go, no this is perfect I think honestly this article is like let's just branch off into like what what we know about it yeah um, absolutely but Mars has these sort of uh, polar ice caps which could potentially, I think they have, they have, uh, although it's like, I, I've heard there's like frozen carbon dioxide in there. Um, you can have like frozen water there as well. So mm -hmm. if we establish like a base and we're like, oh, Ryan, I, I need some water, then we can just sort of go up north or go south and you can, um, you can get water from there. So um, that might be uh, promising for sort of future space exploration or colonization even. <laughs> oh, and uh, did you know Venus is like, I think it's the planet of love or something like that. Like the, it's like, yeah, it's named after the goddess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Venus, Shout out, yeah. Venus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, okay, and the third, okay, so this is the third one from the article. It's the Arecibo message. And uh, are you familiar with this, John? The the message that, that, that's been sent, that we sent out for, uh, okay. Yeah, so the Arecibo involved in uh, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence or the SETI project. Um, we basically sent this message, which was carrying basic info about Earth and humanity. Uh, there's a nice YouTube video about on on this, but um, the the message basically uh, contained our uh, information about like our number system, well, like from one to ten, the atomic numbers of of the chemical elements that make up our DNA. It had the dimensions of the average human, which is pretty funny. I think they they sh they show you on the on this article. Uh, um, Sort of looks like a Minecraft uh, character, <laughs> like a video game character. <laughs> it's we're in the simulation, uh, but anyways, um, and uh, it, it showed the graphic of this of, uh, of our solar system and the graphic of the Arecibo telescope. So it's pretty cool stuff. And a side note: uh, Stephen Hawking and uh, this Russian billionaire Yuri Milner, they uh, they announced a well-funded effort called Breakthrough Listen, which was basically another i guess organization just like search for extra extraterrestrial intelligence but stephen hawking and this russian billionaire had their own thing that they funded called the huh. yeah breakthrough listen so, so this, they're also like trying to search for extraterrestrial life yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So I didn't dive oh, too deep into that because it was that was like branching off to like a lot of things. Like holy, but that's a cool uh, segue if the chat wants to <laughs> know more about that. Well, I thought that's kind of interesting you bring because I think Stephen Hawking also like I think he was a strong proponent for realizing like he, he sort of put the point on the table, and he said, hey. Although, like, we might think that extraterrestrial intelligence is friendly, there's an equally likely chance it's hostile. Mm -hmm. So how would we know, like, if we're broadcasting to the entire universe, like, hey, you know, we're, we're humans, we have this much technology, uh, uh, you know, like, how, how do we know that this doesn't get picked up by sort of a hostile intelligence that maybe doesn't want, you know, to coexist with humans? Maybe they um, have some sort of urge to, uh, you know, extinguish, we don't know. We don't yeah. know. So there's, there's, there's a bit of risk that goes with, you know. Right. I mean, that's sort of like setting out your world. IP address out in the, out in the, in the internet yeah, <laughs> and exactly. then seeing who there responds. You <laughs> there you <laughs> like, go. <laughs> it's, uh, that's super scary. Now that I think about it, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think, I think it was Hawking or it was another um, physicist who sort of pointed out, like, are you sure this is a good idea? You right. Know, you want to tell the entire universe but we need, we need to we need to start building those lasers that shoot those asteroids ASAP. <laughs> Otherwise, we won't make it. <laughs> oh, okay, and so, yeah. So continue on. There's um, the uh, the fourth one, which is finding dark matter galaxies. So um, in 2006, astronomers found a mysterious uh, cloud of hydrogen, uh, which was 50 million light years from Earth, and they called it Virgo. Uh, HI, which I'm pretty sure stands for like some periodic stuff, 21. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that, I thought that was interesting. And then um, the fifth one, understanding the weird signal. Uh, and it was um, basically just a signal that we, you know, we got that, that people thought, oh, is this extraterrestrial? But it was just really an interference from a nearby signal. Um, but there is another uh, occasion in Ohio, Ohio State University where there was a signal. Uh, uh, called the wow <laughs> and oh okay yeah and then they they say the signal came from the constellation uh sagittarius so um and yeah they, it said wow so i yeah i wonder what they're trying to tell us with that Wait, it said wow like like, like w o w exclamation point wow like wow like like the sig like the like, data said mm -hmm. wow or, or mm -hmm. like the Wait, what do you? Okay, I still don't. I the still data, don't the data, it. the signal, like whatever they picked up from Ohio State University with their, tel their telescope, they 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 came up with like this. Uh, this it this... was an anomaly, right? Like 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 the, the the actual like I thought it was because someone wrote like wow exclamation mark on like the actual data, right? They they circled the the, the signal spike and they're like wow, you know, and then exclamation. Yeah, mark, yeah, yeah. No, that, yeah, that's that's what's from. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 I mean, we don't know. Do we know if that's interference or was that like an actual unexplained astronomical phenomenon that we don't know? They, okay. I think what I read, what I remember is that they don't know the wow one. Okay. The weird one was an, it was an interference. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And it was anomaly. Yeah. Thank you, John. <laughs> I had that in my notes. In fact, speaking now, speaking of anomalies, there's. I remember there's an incident. I don't know where this happened, but I remember. I know this is factual. Um, there was a radio telescope, and they kept picking up some really weird interference. And for the for the life of them, they couldn't figure out where it's from. Can you guess what like the culprit was, Ryan? A microwave. Yeah. No, oh. That's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it was a, somewhere in the building, they had a microwave, and, and the microwave like leaked. <laughs> 
um, some of the EM radiation. So the telescope picked it up. And they're like, what the heck are these readings? And it's like, it's, it's, it, I'm like, that's, that's nuts, you know, thinking that your microwave is like contributing yeah. to false results someone's just heating up their hot pocket and then they're throwing <laughs> off the entire seta project they're like holy crap we found someone we're yeah. onto something yeah that, that's, that's kind of a tease um so the sixth one was the uh the arecibo telescope also found the most metal poor galaxy in the known universe uh, so this in so in 2016 astronomers found uh this galaxy with the lowest known uh i guess metal which uh like you mean like amount of metals in it yeah 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 so like basically what they're saying is that it can give us a glimpse into the early days of the galaxy so uh, you know before we had any metals i guess could you know huh. shows the early days and what's interesting about this is that if you think about it you know if our galaxy didn't have any silicon or anything or like mostly silicon we wouldn't have you know computer oh maybe we would have used like copper or something but uh well maybe not germanium germanium okay, because germanium. we we need silicon because it's a semiconductor and semiconductors mm -hmm. are fundamental to transistors so i would imagine that if we had no silicon we would find another substitute which would be germanium because it's, it's in gotcha. that kind of diagonal band of um, semiconductors on the periodic table gotcha wow interesting yeah. a, a galaxy with like the least amount of metal in it huh. yeah uh which, I mean, yeah, it's sort of, it's like the, I guess they say it's a glimpse into the early days of our galaxy. And I, I can understand where they, they, that comes from. Like, um, because, uh, like in, in the very early days of the universe, the most abundant element, I think like to this day, it's still the most abundant, is hydrogen. Mm -hmm. But then with stars, you know, they perform nuclear fusion, right? So hydrogen, you know, kind of fuses into these other, you know, you can get lithium and and carbon and oxygen, nitrogen, and you get to heavier and heavier elements. So maybe when you said like it's a glimpse into our galaxy, maybe that galaxy is like super young. Like it, it has not kind of, it doesn't have as many sort of dead stars lying around um, that sort of crank out um, these heavier metals. So that's, is there a name for this galaxy? Like if uh, Chad wanted to figure out um, or wanted to look into this? I'll link the article because I don't think I wrote it down, but. That I'm, I don't know if there is a name for it. Okay, yeah, that's, but I, that's I would assume good. there would be, you know, if it's if it's like this special. Bro, you, you you've seen how astronomers categorize, like, oh, this is star or something, Pegasi fifty one, yeah, like, BX, it's like Greek names, or, or you know, like, <laughs> like remember I was telling you about the asteroid, the Hayabusa mm -hmm. two asteroid. It was like something one six two, like it had this ridiculously long numbers. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Elon Musk named his kid a freaking galaxy, I swear. A, oh. A, e, <laughs> what is it? AE12, uh, like, something like that? Yeah, X, A, E. It's not even an X. Like, someone figured out it was, like, Kyle. I think it was, like, a, a speculation oh. on Twitter that it was, it, was, it was Kyle. But it's, like, Archangel 11-something is, like, the code name for an airplane. I'm like, this is, this is just a terrible name. I, yeah. I would not name my kid that. I feel, I feel bad for that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I imagine all the subs are going to be like, huh? Or even the teachers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's, his name, he's been memed, like, so often on the internet. Like, imagine Bro, growing up. I know, growing up. Dad's going to be like, oh, hey, son. Like, by the way, um, you were memed, like, I, all over the internet. I'd be I, like, yo, <laughs> come on. I wonder how his dad calls him. Does he, do you think Elon calls him by his, like, his first name or his last name? 
I think, I think later on they changed it to like something more reasonable. I don't think that was like a permanent thing oh. because like there was an interviewer who asked like, "Oh, how's uh, XAE12?" And the, <laughs> then Musk was like, oh, "What? What do you ask?" And then you know, uh, Musk, he, the reporter said it again, and Musk was like, "Oh, you mean my son?" And like, <laughs> and then even Musk himself said it sounded like a password. So, <laughs> He's like, "Wait a minute, that's my like, password. Why are you saying my password on, on live TV?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's I I have reservations against you know like why would you name your kid that? Come on. Uh, that, that kid is, dude. I just but imagine being that kid. You know his expectations. Do you think, in life, it's gonna be, trying to see if he can live up to his dad's name? I, I don't know. I mean, that's Musk scary. Musk dude. has a lot of children. Like if you look at oh. the official number, you know like he's got a lot of kids under him, and I don't think he's that like like, I feel like uh, he's pretty he chill. Wouldn't be like, guy yeah who wouldn't be like you you must you know build a company as well and you know carry i don't i don't think he's that <laughs> carry kind of on guy. the torch I yeah i don't think he's that kind of guy but why don't we why don't we loop back to yeah. the uh article <laughs> so uh, the seventh one is the last one is the distant galaxies um uh so these distant galaxies that could hold ingredients for life so sort of branches off the the previous one is in 2008 Arecibo detected the molecules method okay I'm probably going to mess up on these pronunciations. <laughs> but uh, methanamine and hydrogen uh, cyanide, which are two ingredients that build life-forming amino acids. And they found in a galaxy 250 million light years away, which I converted to miles, which is like 1.5 times 10 to the 15th miles away. Oh, man. So it's kind of far. But hey, yeah, you know, you know we, we sort of know that there are, there are galaxies out there that do have... Uh, I guess the ingredients to, to form life, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, we we've seen exoplanets uh, mm -hmm. as well. I, I think like they, they're, they're promising, like they could potentially have like liquid water on their surface, or or you know, like like we we see all this evidence of the universe, like the 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 or the ingredients for life are out there. But interestingly enough, we have yet to kind of you know see something like you know from Star Trek, like you know, if you, you know, yeah. bump into like some some Klingons or Romulans or whatever, you know, it, it's. Uh, Unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, considering how primitive we are <laughs> compared to the um, aliens, uh, we haven't sort of bumped into that yet. And whoa, wow, so. actually, from the Pentagon League videos, I would say oh there's some weird stuff going on <laughs> in those in those videos. If Chat knows what I'm talking about, those have you seen them, John? The the like the the aircraft that's like defying gravity. Oh, all the. All those UFO videos. Yeah, really those. Those ones go. Project Blue Book, where like I think the government was trying to like categorize, or like you know, uh, categorize all these uh, uh, UFO incidences. Uh, you know, I mean, like, I I kind of like the playful theory, and I know there's no merit to this theory whatsoever that these UFOs are actually us, but we're kind of going back in time. To, whoa. I don't know, like, to, whoa, like whoa, you know, whoa. yo, like, no, dude, dude, my brain just got like. <laughs> <laughs> He's just blow, blowing uh, my brain away, dude. Yeah, I'm just, you know, it, it could very well be. Uh, I, I don't know. But, uh, wow. Okay, so so we have, so hydrogen cyanide and, did you mean like methan, methanamine? There it is, methanamine. Meth, meth okay. Meth, just meth. They, they have meth there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you, have you read or, like, do you know about the sci-fi series Dune? Dune? Dune, like yeah, D U N E, like, 
Yeah, D U N E. I think like, I, no, I haven't. It. I don't think I've watched it, but I've only I heard mean, of it. If you really wanted to kind of sum up what it's about, it's like they there's like this the spice melange, which is essentially like Ooh. overpowered space crack that like specialized, you know, that like people use to kind of bend space time and. And, and but like if, if you're interested in like sci-fi, like the, the world building in Dune is absolutely phenomenal. But I mean, I, in my brain, I associate that spice with like crack, pretty much. I, I mean, because people can like develop space this crack. Of, yeah, but it gives you like these like sort of mind enhancing abilities and all this stuff. So <laughs> what if there is like a dust out there that you can crush and then you just take it and then you're able to like be a butterfly in the galaxy? That would be maybe. Yeah, you know, it's I it's. It's funny because that reminds me of, I had a professor, a math professor, and he told me that uh, he was solving, uh, he was solving, who was it? It was a, some kind of, it was some type of series he was solving. And it was like one of those, if you solve it, you know, I think there's cash involved. I forgot. I forgot. Oh, it was like the, one of the millennium problems. Like I know there's like a, yeah. a, like a, a number of math problems that are like unsolved or, or you know, like if you could solve them, like there's a huge reward or something. But yeah, I'm just trying to remember. I can't remember the name of that series, but he, he, he solved like a, he said he solved a part of it. I, I just forget like the name, but he, what he said, he was, he, he was so obsessed with the problem. He fasted. So he, he, but like he, uh-huh. he went into fasting for like, he said 40 days. So, Forty days and forty nights, like like Jesus. <laughs> so my That's boy, crazy. my boy was transforming to, to he was transcending into Jesus, and then he was saying that uh, uh, he wouldn't yeah he wouldn't eat he would only I think he would only he wouldn't even drink water he said, and he would literally wake up, do the problem he, he would he, and then he wouldn't even sleep that's what he said he wouldn't sleep his wife was getting really worried because he wasn't eating either so he's telling me at the dinner table. He would hold the, his wife would tell him that he would hold the spoon and he wouldn't eat. And then he'd go back to solving the problem. And um, he reached this point of like, I guess, med- like, I guess in meditation, you call it like, tra- like transcending. <laughs> he said he was like a bird flying through the galaxy. <laughs> I, I, I remember that word for word because I was like, holy dude, he's on some other level of like obsession with like a problem, which I admire so much because it's like one day I want, that, that's like, me personally, one day I would love to be obsessed with with a problem that I sort of reached that like point. I don't know, but he said no, he said. I... Okay, but the thing he said he told me is like, hey, you got to be careful because some people don't make it. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And then he's like, yeah, some people you know don't make. It. I was like, whoa, dude. And he was oh, a smoke. Japanese. He was a Japanese uh, uh, professor, Professor Milase. Well known, Motohiko oh, Mulase, okay. well known professor in Davis. Yeah. Okay. And I was with I was with Sarika. Shout out Sarika. Uh, but yeah, that was a interesting yeah. talk. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, are yeah. we still planning on going uh, just for an hour, or do oh, you want to yeah. go like holy crap, it's hour thirty? Yeah. Uh, do you do you want to go over your second article? Uh, my second article is one of like it's probably like gonna get you. Uh, it's like a, I, I keep saying sandblast because I always have like like these are like some like niche articles and I always have like a bunch of context for them. But um, do, you have, do you have a second article you want to go over? Yeah, yeah. So this one I guess is the uh, Apple. Uh, Apple and Google are building. Well, and also Facebook. I heard are they're building a coronavirus tracking system into iOS and Android, and. So a lot of people are, are confused because they said they they think that they're creating an app for everyone to download, 
but that's not the case. They're just building the API or the uh, application programming interface for that, for, for healthcare to use that and to create the app. So they're not creating the app, they're only providing the, the tool. So um, basically this article is just talking about uh, the, how they're implementing it. So I guess, yeah, I mean, do you, do you have uh, any, anything you wanna say before huh. I, I dive in? Well, I know like the traditional history, like a lot of these efforts to implement sort of digital tracking systems have always been mired in a lot of concern because uh, a lot of people, you know, are, are very conscious of their, or at least like the, the especially under these sort of pandemic times, uh, people have become uh, immensely more sort of sensitive to their privacy mm -hmm. because we, we work from our computers and, and we do everything digitally or remotely now. So we have to have more faith that, you know, these computers aren't spying on us or, or that they can be compromised and with any digital tracking system, even you know, for the virus, people worry like, can that be? Can that data be tied to me? And even though there are all these promises, like some protocols say, like you know, we use hashing or some cryptographic methods to um, sort of prevent uh, uh, tracking from happening, like like getting it tied to you, it's just a very um, hot topic. It is a hot topic. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you? So we're, we're planning on going for that extra thirty minutes. I mean, I think we still have. I've got three viewers here. I wonder if I'm one of those viewers though, because I'm not. I'm not logged in right now. I'm using the. You very well could be. Yeah, so I might be. I might be one of. The... Um, uh, it's up to chat. I don't know. What, does chat have any input on uh, anything we've said so far? Um, yeah. We could. Yeah, we could just end it off here. It's been one hour. Yeah, I think we could. We, we might because I see like three people here. Um, I think it might be best if we. No, I'm listening. Oh, okay. So oh, Juicy nice. Steak is Thanks, Juicy, Juicy Steak is in it for the long haul. Thank you so much for sticking around. We appreciate Respect. it. Uh, yeah. So y'all do whatever's nice. It's nice background noise. True. That's good. That's uh, good. Yeah. Let's just. I mean, honestly, let's just spend like the last ten minutes with the viewers. Yeah. I, I think, like five yeah, minutes. I just say what's up. Are you working on homework right now, Juicy? I know. Well, I don't know if you're in college or anything, but uh, finals week is, is for both John and I. Uh, yeah. Soon coming up so that's gonna be pretty oof oh i did I, I just thought of something you were talking about those um those pulsars right i have yeah. a funny little story uh i don't know maybe it's like a, um a, a sort of an innocent childhood story but i i used to be like super in astronomy when i was in elementary school and i wanted to try and build a radio telescope and this was like wow. I, I was like i don't know i was like <laughs> Like, really, like, dude? Like, that's crazy. Have, well, but it's it's stupid. It's so stupid because all I knew was like, oh, these radio telescopes um, use radio waves. So if I could like receive and decode the waves, right? I was like, oh, I could I could build one of these. And it was, I, I wish I had a picture to show you, Ryan. But but it was the dumbest thing. It was this, it was this rinky dink like, <laughs> like telescope, like one of those like fifty dollar cheap cheapo ones. And I duct taped like the TV antenna, like the uh -huh. two T. I duct taped it to the end of the telescope, and then I think I broke like a, a like a five dollar. Oh my radio. gosh! And I was like, let me try and like like put this little um, thing together. And of, of course, it didn't work. Of course, like I didn't get anything useful. But I, I did it for like a, a, a elementary school science fair project. I'm like, can we detect? <laughs> and I'm like, hell no! You can't you can't detect anything. <laughs> You should be like, uh, bro, at your, at your science uh, fair, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting something, guys. I'm getting something. <laughs> oh, GC's taking. Like, because I, you know, I thought it was super cool. Like, I, I, could, I could pretend to be a scientist. I could uh -huh. pretend to be an engineer. And I think that's why, like, you know, I'm studying what I am now in, in college. That's interesting. But, um, you know, oh, yeah, I saw. Um, I think Ju Juicy has another question here. 
You want to read it, John? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. What's the inspiration on the podcast title? Obviously, it's hexadecimal, but wondering if it's a reference or something that I'm missing. Okay, so you are correct. Um, it is uh, hexadecimal. Uh, the inspiration is kind of um, uh, Ryan and I both work a lot with with computers, um, and the thing is, uh, I, I use uh, I've heard the phrase before, sort of like R two cents. And originally, I think we wanted to use zero xff, just like a random hexadecimal number. Uh, but then I, I think we realized like ff is used. Like we went on Google. There's like another IT podcast that uses zero xff. Mm-hmm. So we had to choose like what's a a neat kind of hexadecimal identifier. And I came up with the phrase like, well, you know, like here's my two cents. So I'm like, oh, if it's if it's Ryan and I doing this podcast, it's like our two cents on like the latest and greatest in, exactly. in science. Exactly. So zero x to C. And I guess it kind of helps, Ryan, uh, you mentioned um, there's some z- resemblance to uh, XQC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some relevance to XQC. So my Even though we, that... don't, we don't play games and we don't uh, have difficulty identifying animals, I, don't, I think you've seen some of his clips. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm dead. He called like a, a cheetah, I think like he, he, he saw the, the cheetah and he saw it for like 10 seconds and then he said, Cheeto. <laughs> Cheetos, <laughs> yeah. From yeah. I'm pretty sure he was thinking of hot Cheetos. I'm assuming, and that's why he probably said. But still, though, you know, like <laughs> there was a donkey, and he called it a dog. Like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong with this dog? And I'm like, oh man. Oh no. I mean, yeah, it's crazy how much viewership he gets too. But anyways. Well, yeah. I mean, he's a popular streamer. Like, although he he does have some controversy. Like, he got um, mm. the whole stream sniping incident. That's, that's, true. A, that's a big no-no for competitive games. <laughs> that's true. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, what, what were we talking about before? Oh, okay. Well, one thing I wanted to say is, okay, at age five, John, that was that's first grade, right? No, not five. I said fifth grade, dude. Oh, okay, like I was like first. age five. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm definitely not that. Like, you know, I'm not that brilliant, bro. I was Absolutely like, dang. not. No, no. I was. It was at like fifth. Grade. It was so dumb, though. Like, if you if you saw the setup, you would you would laugh your butt off. Like, like it, it, it's this grade. like VHS antenna. And then with the telescope, and I'm like, oh, let me see if I can like you know aim it towards something. And I had it wired. <laughs> like, this is this is so dumb. Like, I mean, to give you an idea of how dumb I was back then, I, I remember like there was a portable TV set. I didn't know what the flyback transformer was. And that's like thousands of volts to like get the cathode ray tube. So I'm kind of like poking this TV while it's still like powered up, and oh. I like I shock myself. Oh. Uh, but I thought I thought it was super cool. I, I was trying to build an oscilloscope. I was trying to build it like with the old TV. Yo. Like there's a really easy way to do that. But but yeah, I was like from that from that point on, I was like John, you gotta like learn. You gotta actually learn how electronics work. You can't stick your screwdriver in everything. So I'm like, <laughs> got a reverse engineer. Uh, I, I guess so. Yeah. Honestly, Man. I feel like you can learn way more by taking things apart, and then and then you know doing the reverse engineering. Like that's why I hear oh, a lot. Yeah. Of, like a lot of like these guys that are in, that are intellectual engineering, they're like, yeah, I learned this because I took it apart and then I built it back up, you know. So it's yeah, um, definitely. Like uh, I, I used to go to this like recycling center. Um, I get like a lot of these old PCs and I mm-hmm. take them apart, and that's how I learned like most of what I know about computers. Like I, I take them apart, put them back together. Wow. I'd build like Frankenstein PCs, so I'd get like three different machines that were broke, and I'd be like, this works and that works, and. And I'll, I'll put it in one machine and it, it works, but. <laughs> Dink. Yeah, I remember yeah. in fifth grade, I was just uh, in those after school programs. And then I'd go home, 
do my homework and I go play, uh, what do I do? I'll play Call of Duty. <laughs> I mean, that's a healthy childhood, bro. That's a healthy childhood. Yeah. I, like, I gamed like during, um, I had a, a brief stint in gaming in like junior high. And then I, I, I just lost interest because I'm like, I can rack up like, you know, points in these games or I can like learn something that's like physically See, applicable. I, I never had that click until until later on, until like literally, I would say senior high school. I think it's because the people you surround yourself with influence like a variety of things too. Oh, definitely. But I think I, oh, no, and it, it didn't help. My, my ex was in, uh, <laughs> she was in the, the nerdy group, I guess you would say in, in high school. <laughs> so I could never hang out with them, even if I wanted to. It just felt weird. Oh, Ryan, you gotta Ryan, you gotta lean like close to your mic. It like it cuts oh. out a little. Okay, sorry. Yeah, there you go. It's all okay. it's all good. It's all good, bro. <laughs> but yeah, of uh, we'll be streaming again next week on Sunday. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely. pretty much all we have, I guess. So thank you guys again. I uh, hope you guys have a yeah. good night and uh, good luck on your guys' finals on your guys' future endeavors. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Peace out.
but also I think what's what, what this pandemic's really sort of brought out is uh, our reliance on the internet, right? Like the okay. current state of the internet in the United States is not great. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of large companies that have you know really monopolized the internet, and you know in terms of like you know social media, Google, Facebook, uh, you know what have it, mm. and they have. Uh, uh, there's also been. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Here. I guess our dependency on these big, big companies to use your technologies has well, increased. I mean, it's also alarming that uh, uh, these companies have so much power, you know, mm -hmm. over you know how consumers can access the internet and and data, uh, data, like right? The absolutely, data think, that's out there just for free. I think yeah, a, a law got passed a couple of years back that said ISPs can sell um, your DNS data. Uh, so when you, uh, you know, when you do Google searches or any kind of like web search, it goes to a DNS server. Um, mm -hmm. if that's like an ISP related server, they can take that info and, um, sell it if they want to. Right. Um, but yeah, I think this is a wake up call. Like we, we should have some more regulations and uh, that's yeah. my opinion. That's yeah. my opinion. But as uh, we transition to being more dependent on the power of the internet, there needs to be sort of, I would say changes in the way we regulate internet traffic, just as we regulate uh, you know, traffic, you know, driving or, or, or uh, you know, I guess in-person uh, right, laws. Right, you know, absolutely. There, there needs to be some type of adapt, uh, adaption. Is that even a word? Uh, we need to adapt. I would just say reform. Reform, reform. yeah. Yeah, so. oh, definitely. Well, it looks like we're at the one hour, 30 minute mark. Yeah, I think. I think, I think this is the first time we've had a podcast go on for uh, longer than an hour. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these topics are pretty, you know, Spicy. Very nuanced, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, very interesting to talk about, you know, I, I definitely, but um, yeah. also like I, we, we weren't planning to go to like to add the extra 30 minutes until mm. like our viewership rose, right? Like wasn't the plan, you know, once the audience like grew big enough, then we, you know, we'd stick around, but, but we, we got two viewers though. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. That's nice. I mean, it could just, it could just be the both of us though. I mean, I point out, we both have, we both have Twitch open, so <laughs> But uh, but yeah, um, I think we'll go ahead and end it here. John, what do you say? Yeah, I think I think um, um, you know, we did a great, great job. I mean, I was able to cover the um, miRNA and uh, how it regulates COVID reproduction rates, as well as the spike proteins and their sort of uh, similarity to GP120, the HIV protein. And then you were able to talk about uh, uh, some of these historical pandemics, what we've learned from them, uh, as well as uh, how some prof some experts think the future is going to look uh, post COVID. So I yeah I think we uh, I think we really covered a lot of uh, amazing ground, um, and you know once again Ryan and I are, are both very thankful um, for those of uh, for for those of you that uh, you know such as Scotty and uh, Sudo that were able to um, drop by uh, and you know contribute. Uh, we love being able to interact with you guys and learn new things, see different sides of the same issue. So uh, once again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. So uh, yeah, so thank you guys for watching uh, this episode of OX2C podcast. Uh, we're going to upload this. Oh, and happy holidays. Oh, happy yes. holidays. Happy holidays. Um, to whatever <laughs> you're celebrating, hope you have a good time with your family, friends, loved ones, um, wherever you are in the world. And um, yeah, so we'll post, we'll go ahead and just post this on YouTube for people, for those of you that want to watch it again. But uh, <laughs> and um, stay safe. Don't yeah. forget to stay safe this season. Yes, sir. So thank you so much. Bye. Bye.